We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, regular guest on the show, Justin Thomas of Nets Republic. And Justin, we got a Nets win over the Mavs, 102-99. How are we feeling? Relieved. Uh, a little bit sweaty. Uh, <laughs> definitely definitely sweated through my shirt um, through that entire fourth quarter. But, I mean, relieved to get a win. You know, you get your wins when you can, even if it's ugly. So, a win is a win. You'll take this one. Nets probably played one good quarter basketball. The other ones were kind of mixed bags, like some decent stuff in the third, and they still came away with a win. Mavs are up 17 at one point in this game. We're going to jump to that and plenty more, but you can catch the buzz on all streaming platforms. But I guess, Justin, in your eyes, what changed in that fourth quarter? You know, what turned up for the Nets where they won that quarter 27-13? I think they just remember that they're the Nets and <laughs> that – you know, you still have the arguably the greatest basketball player on the planet in Kevin Durant. And when he's right, you know, a top five, top 10 player in James Harden. Um, I don't know what it is. I, um, I think Matt, Matt, Matt Brooks made a good tweet about it where it's like all season, the Nets have played maybe crappy for two quarters, two and a half quarters. And then they finally flip that, you know, flip that switch. And we kind of saw it today. I mean, every single quarter, the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, it just felt like they were in a malaise. And then the fourth yeah. quarter came and it was like, okay, it's a winning time, you know, time to actually get serious. Yeah. And they just turned it up. And like you said, KD, you know, was having a bad game in my opinion for the first three quarters. Then all of a sudden the fourth, he's like, you know what? I'm sick of this. He turns it up, drops a couple baskets. Mavs start double teaming him, then kind of turns everything up for the offense. Even James Harden had some extra juice. And then Steve Nash just sticking with that lineup of Mills, Harden, KD, James Johnson, and Clax for almost the entire time. Gave the Nets some really good defensive versatility. And Nick Claxton playing the entire fourth quarter was a little bit of a surprise, but he did the job other than knocking down those free throws at the end. 
Yeah, I mean, who would have predicted at the start of the season that we'd be talking about a closing lineup with Patty Mills, James Johnson, and Nick Claxton? I mean, yep. maybe maybe we thought about Nick Claxton being in there, but not in this type of capacity. Uh, but I definitely was not with James Johnson. <laughs> definitely, de- definitely not with James Johnson. But I was surprised uh, with Nash sticking with that unit. And you know what? I'm kind of glad he did because that yep. was the unit that gave the Nets the lead and got the Nets back into the game. Um, you know, I know it's easy for some coaches to just be like, all right, we're back in the game, just throw out the starting lineup again. But, you know, kudos to Nash for, you know, just sticking with the guys that got you there and you live and die by them. Yeah, I, I really thought that was the right move from him. And uh, no disrespect to Aldridge, but like Clax was just able to play so much better defensively in this game. And when he, <laughs> excuse me, when he got switched on a Luka, he put clamps down. Like he was doing his thing out there. And I think just that level of just, pop defensively and you mentioned to me before we jumped on like him and cam provided that different energy in the third quarter and that started to kind of create the momentum for this team to get back in it because like you said earlier they just had no juice they were just kind of just like out there they weren't really playing and obviously we've seen that a decent amount this season but you're thinking like tnt game you know maybe they finally show up for a a national broadcast game and they did it just wasn't to the fourth yeah and you know going back on aldridge it was you know, it's, it, you hate to see it, like him just getting abused on defense, because we all love the guy. Yep. But every time he got switched on to Luka in that first half, it was just like, all right, how is Luka going to embarrass Aldridge now? Um, you know, like like we said, Claxton did a phenomenal job in the second half on Luka. Uh, you even saw him get into Luka's face a little bit, got Luka yep. to get a technical foul. I mean, what is it with the Nets getting lucky with the opposing team's star player getting a, a crucial technical foul down the stretch of a fourth quarter. I mean, we'll you saw it, it in the Knicks game, and then now we're seeing it with, with uh, Dallas. TNT, Reggie Miller, whatever it is, kind of get things going for the Nets. We'll take it, right, though? But getting to LaMarcus, yeah, not only on the switches, he looked a little off tonight, too, and, like, his off-ball defense when he was trying to be the helper, like he was trying to shade over, but that pretty much just gave Luca an easy pass every time because of the level of passer he is. So just kind of a tough matchup. But I like the fact that Steve Nash adjusted. And he was like, all right, well, this isn't working. Our defense was getting cooked. Let's try to switch. Let's try to do some different things. And that ended up being a big turning point in the game. Oh, no, most definitely. I mean, I, I think the thing, one of the things that kind of, kind of drives Nets fans crazy uh, this season so far is just Nash just not getting it uh, yep. when we clear when we all see that all right the the the, uh, the opposing team is definitely taking advantage of us in some capacity we need to switch it up um, and you know we've seen it in a lot of games where Nash just sticks with all we saw it especially in the uh, the Suns game with Booker yep. where he every single possession it just seemed they were just getting the switch that was uh, painful <laughs> yeah so you know like, like you said like good uh, kudos to Nash for you know recognizing that making adjustments um and ultimately is what is the difference in you know a loss and a win yeah so credit to him hopefully he continues to adjust and obviously want to see Nick Claxton continuing to get back to the player he was last season but I guess let's talk a little James Harden 23 points tonight 7 of 13 from the field 3 of 6 from 3 6 of 7 from the free throw line 9 rebounds 12 assists 1 block 5 turnovers had that nice finish over Luka in the fourth quarter what'd you think of James Harden tonight uh I've said it before uh in tweets and articles I'll say it again it's just Jekyll and Hyde I mean you never really know what you're gonna get with uh Harden uh night in and night out you're either gonna get Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde um the first half, I'm actually probably the first three quarters. It was just, uh, what is what is he doing out there? You know, you don't know if he wants to attack, if he wants to be passive. Um, when we when he hit the uh, the four point play, and I believe the second quarter, 
my thought was, okay, this is what's going to get James going. He's going to be more aggressive. And then it just kind of went back to being the same old James Harden. It wasn't until the fourth quarter where he really started, you know, picking it up. But I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still at a, I still just don't know how to get a good feel on him. Uh, it's, we're 20, what, 23 games into the season now. And we're still asking the same questions yeah. about James. Um Someone I uh, saw on Twitter made a good point where it's like Harden really doesn't start being aggressive until somebody else <laughs> starts getting into their groove, which is kind of true because, you know, all right, Katie started the fourth quarter hot, and then it's like James decides, okay, now I want to be aggressive too. Like, no, you need that aggressive yep. James Harden at all points whenever you can get it. So another, I guess, frustratingly good stat line yeah. for Harden, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just we're still asking ourselves the same question with him. Yeah, if he was a top 25 player, we'd be like, okay with this. But we we need him to be a top five, top 10. And I like that Jekyll and Hyde reference because I don't even think it's game to game. It's almost possession to possession. <laughs> you, know, you know, like in the fourth quarter, he had some of these amazing plays. And there was other ones where he just telegraphed it. It's like, I knew that was going to be a turnover right there. So it's just like, come on, James. Like for such a smart player, sometimes he puts himself in bad positions. Like especially with the spacing being so bad with some of these lineups, you just got to know like, Hey man, there's four guys in the paint. Even if you drive, I'm not sure what you're really going to do, but it's good to see his step back three, go down three for six tonight. It was kind of falling off the last couple games. Yeah. I mean, the, the threes will be there. I, I think it was Paul, Paul tweets too much that had the, the, the tweet that said James Harden only hits threes when there's somebody in his landing space, which I, <laughs> which is hilarious. But I mean, it feels like it's kind of been true this season because we've seen a lot of four point plays. Um, I think my only gripe with Harden in terms of it, I'm glad that he's, you know, shooting the three a little bit better. But, and I think, you know, a lot of Nets fans can agree to this. The catch and shoot threes are there. Like yep. there, there, he turns down at least four or five catch and shoot threes where he has enough, uh, he has enough space. Um, and those are almost like possession killers as well, because all right, he catches the ball and he'll either dribble, dribble. Or he'll pass it to somebody else. I'm just like, I'd rather a James Harden catch and shoot three over, yep. let's say, a Bembry corner three. Even if it's open, I'd rather a Harden contested three than a Bembry open three. Yep. Um, so yeah, or attack I'm, to I'm, close out hard. You know what I mean? Like, do one yeah. of the two. Or I think one play that pops to mind, which you're mentioning, like, it loses the advantage for the offense. When Katie gets double teamed in the post, he kicks out to Harden. A lot of those times, either he's receiving the ball with an open three or he's getting the third pass and he's getting that open three. And like you're saying, he's not taking it. And it's weird because there was a little stretch during the season. I want to say like four to five games where he was taking maybe like one or two a game. And now he's just completely stopped. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I wish I, I wish I knew. Um, you know, it was, it was a good thing that we had. Reggie Miller on the broadcast uh, tonight because, you know, maybe he said something else to James. Uh, I mean, yeah. And also, I would say, not to mention just the catch and shoot, but the post-ups. I mean, obviously, we're not expecting to just dump the ball into the post for James, but he had, I think, you know, two or three post-op opportunities tonight where he kicked it out. One of them, notably, was the one, I think it might have been, he had Brunson on his back, and he tried to force-feed Claxton Yep. In the paint with like three other bodies there. And it's like, well, James, you have probably a 25 pound advantage on Brunson. He's not a stout defender. Just go up. He's not even six feet either. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like, like, you, you have a you height should... advantage, a weight advantage. You know, use that to your ability. Don't try and force a pass that's not there. 
Yeah. I think uh, post-touches are definitely something that'd be good for Harden moving forward, especially loses a step, but he has to be aggressive. We've seen him score in a couple situations. He's, he looks comfortable down there, and obviously he's a great passer, but no need to kind of force the ball to Nick Clax. And I think he still just doesn't have the confidence in his finishing. There's another layup in this game where he just blew it. It was just a wide-open oh, yeah. lefty layup, and it's just like at something you hit at every level. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I mean I'd, I'd understand if it's the righty layup, but like left hand on your strong side, I mean, yep, like that, you should be like you should make those in your sleep. So exactly. So obviously, it's kind of a give or, give and take thing with Harden. I'm not really sure I'm gonna have a definitive like take on him until after All Star break, just the way things have gone for him this season. But moving over to KD, 24 points, 10 to 22 from the field, one of four from three, three of three from the free throw line, seven rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block, three turnovers. Like we mentioned before, KD wasn't great for the first three quarters, but he turned it up in the fourth. Uh, I don't know if it was on the last pod or maybe like two pods ago that you guys did, but it was the mention that KD is, he's never there when you call, but he's always on time. <laughs> yep. Yes. That <laughs> No truer words can be said because for the first three quarters, it was like, dang, another KD off night, which means it's going to be a rough night for Nets fans. Then like, you know, a, a genie answering a wish, fourth quarter comes quick. Five quick straight points from KD, 10-2 yep. run, gets the Nets back in it. And you're like, okay. And then as the Nets go down the stretch, it's like, all right, well, we're just going to give the ball to KD. Everybody in the arena knew it, especially on the, was it the last possession where he hits the uh, the fade oh, from the baseline? Yeah. Yeah, everybody in the arena, everybody watching on TV knows the ball's going to KD. But what can you do? You can't stop that. Yeah, I mean, that's just an incredibly difficult look. And the way the Nets work the offense on that possession, credit to them and keep going to it. And I love the fact that obviously he's not selfish and he's allowing, you know, that double team to come passes out of it. And I think as the Nets progress through the season, they should be able to get better looks from that, especially when teams do it in the fourth. And obviously there are some limitations having, you know, a non-shooter on the floor in James Johnson, but I'm sure they'll kind of find ways around it. And another thing for Kevin Durant that kind of stuck out in that fourth quarter and kind of in the second half is his defense turned up. There was a couple of bad defense possessions from him in the first half, but, you know, his help defense in that fourth was good. Obviously, there was a couple times where it's not really his fault because the guys can't guard their own man. He's trying to help, gives up an open three, but a couple blocks in there, always good to have, you know, another seven-footer on the floor. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you talk about switchability. Obviously, we we, we laud over the uh, what Nick Claxton can do, but Kevin yeah. Durant is no slouch on defense. Yeah. I mean, in his time at Golden State, I mean, he – you know, was in conversations for, you know, all defensive teams. Uh, so we know he can defend uh, the block he had on Reggie Bullock, uh, getting a little bit of revenge from earlier in the game. That was key uh, just to keep the momentum going for the Nets. Um, you know, as, as you said, he does have his lapses on defense, too. I think you see that in a lot of superstars. Um, it drives me crazy with Harden and his laziness on D. Yeah. And then sometimes you see KD not go after a board or, you know, not be there on the, uh, you know, the help. And it's like, all right, come on, like, he should yeah. be there, but you know when he's going to bail you out on the offensive end, you're like, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a pass now. Yeah, I think KD earns his pass. Where Harden sometimes it's more frustrating because you're like, man, you're not even playing good on offense right, right now. <laughs> like, what are you saving not... your energy for? <laughs> yeah, and KD's had a crazy workload. Both him and Harden played over 40 minutes tonight. Obviously, it's been something to kind of keep an eye on. But Nash wants to get the win. KD looks fine out there. We'll probably discuss later on if either of those guys get rested. But any other thoughts on Durant tonight? Uh, no, I mean, other than that, I mean, there's not much really to say at this point, you know, night in, night out, you know what you're going to get from him. Yep. Um, I he only had seven points at halftime, finished with what, 24? Yep. Um, I think what, 12 of those came in the fourth quarter. So, 
you know, like I said, he's not there when you call, but when you need him to, Mr. Efficiency Man is there. I, I don't think he was that efficient no. tonight. Let me just uh, – 10 of 22, so not, you know, not his usual efficient self, but, I mean, anybody else in the league would take that any night mm. of the week. So, you know. And he was one of four from three. His three-point shot has been off the last couple of games. Do you think it's just a little slump for him, or do you think it's, like, shoulder-related? I think it's just a little slump. I mean, he's another one that sometimes turns down um, the catch-and-shoot three when it's there, uh, especially out of some double teams. But, you know, you, you don't really think of Kevin Durant as a three-point, you know, marksman. Like, it's almost like icing on the cake with his offensive game. Like, all right, yeah. you're, you can pencil in a KD three a night, but, you know, I don't expect him to hit, you know, three and four, you know, consistently. Yeah. But, um, it- I, I was going to say, I think it's something with the offense, too. You know, like the offense isn't really generating him a lot of open looks. I thought tonight he probably had more open looks from three than he's had in the last couple games. Last year, he shot like, I want to say, 40% from three. And it was, I think, a product of the offense being so good where some of those shots just aren't necessarily amazing looks. And now, you know, no Kyrie, no Joe Harris, the spacing is going to be off. So, And he's just not, I don't think, in the same rhythm from three as he was last year. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, you see him turn down, you know, a pretty easy three-point shot for a heavily contested two-point shot. I mean, it goes in, but it's like, all right, you know you can make your life a little bit easier, Mr. Durant. Yeah. Um, I think he just loves the elbow, man. Right. <laughs> like, I've never seen a play. I've never been more confident in someone shooting an elbow jumper in my entire life. Like, it feels like a layup to Kevin Durant at this point. It really does. I think the last thing I, I would say on, on KD, I think it's just more of an observation about the Nets uh, in crunch time offenses. We've seen uh, a plethora of of examples now this season where defenses will throw the double team at KD down the stretch, usually leaving Harden. Um, but you, but a lot of times, like, you know, they'll always recover to Harden, things like that. Uh, you know, and it, it has to do with spacing. I don't remember it really being like that last season as much when, you know, you had Kyrie and even when you just, just James and Joe Harris on the floor at the same time, because you can't really help off of Joe when he's on, you know, regular season Joe. Playoff yep. Joe is a different story, but that's neither here nor there. But, you know, I think when the Nets get Joe back, if Kyrie comes back, you know, if, if they do go out and get some more perimeter shooting, we won't see KD be burdened as much having to facilitate out of double teams down the stretch. Not to say he can't do it because he's done a great job so far, uh, but that just also plays into the workload that, you know, and the added stress on the offensive end that, you know, he has. Yeah, the Nets with, you know, obviously all their weapons can punish those double teams more. I like the adjustment they made at the end of the game, like towards the literal end of the fourth quarter. They were having Patty Mills throw the entry pass to Katie in the post, and now doubling off of that was a little bit more of a risk because, hey, Patty can knock it down. Now you're kind of making the defense scatter a little bit more. So, again, obviously limited options on this roster, but they have some tools to work with. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Moving over to Patty Mills. 10 points, 4 of 11 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Not his best game either, but he hit some big shots in the fourth quarter. Oh, absolutely. I, I know I tweeted at, I tweeted during the fourth quarter, I think maybe at like the eight minute mark. I was like, we need, we need something from Patty. Like he, up, up until that point, I think he had been, I think he only had two points. I think it was the finger roll yeah. uh, he hit in the first half, but you know, he was missing a lot of threes, a lot of open looks to stuff he normally hits. And, you know, on a night where at the time, up until that point, Katie had been struggling. You didn't know what you're going to get from hard and the offense as a whole was just kind of clunky. Um, you need a guy like Patty, and he came up big when needed. You know, some big corner threes, his energy on defense. You know, on credit to Patty. I mean, he was out there battling Luca. I know Luca yeah. did, you know, take advantage of him a little bit, but every time he he did not shy away from the uh, the Luca assignment at all. Yeah, I mean, you love the energy he plays with, and Luca in those situations did what we want Harden to do to a guy like Bronson. You know what I mean? Just punish a smaller defender. But again, you know, Patty was just a little off early on, and then I think he saw KD knock down a three, and then he just kind of turned it up offensively. And that's kind of what he does. He's going to be a streaky player. Jack's told us that, you know, a lot. And, you know, as long as he's there for the big shots, that all all that really matters. But uh, moving to James Johnson, 12 points, 5 of 7 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. Felt like a little bit of a revenge game for James Johnson. You know, like the uh, that Christmas story, The Grinch, uh, my heart has grown three sizes too big for James uh, James Johnson, man. Because at the beginning of the year, I was so on the anti-James Johnson uh, train. I was the conductor of it. But, I mean, over the past two weeks, he has really, you know, found his, all with the, uh, found his own with this team. Uh, tonight, he came up with – I mean, you hate to say it, but, like, he helped keep the Nets in the ball game. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, you know, had some, you know, he had a big corner three in the the first half that kind of stifled some momentum for Dallas. He had a very nice drive to the basket, little scoop lefty layup. Um, you know, his his energy on defense, too, was 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 pretty good. Like you said, a revenge game of sorts. Uh, you know, he's somebody, like I said earlier, I didn't expect to see him in closing lineups, not just tonight, but in other games. But he's, you know, making Nash look somewhat like a genius, if you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one thing he provides is versatility defensively. He did a nice job on Luka tonight, and we kind of touched on in the beginning. Like, they were able to switch on a lot of things. He's capable of doing that. He's also a pretty smart basketball player. He's comfortable with the ball in his hands. Obviously, he shot two or three from three tonight. That's his best three-point shooting night of the season. Um, but but overall, you know, he provides impacts in other ways. Like, his dribble handoff with Patty Mills is, like, down to a key. Like, it's just just spot on right now. Obviously, it might be a little bit of a moving pick, but we'll take it until they call it. So uh, I love to have James Johnson out there. And he just definitely had just a little more pop in his step going against the Mavs tonight. Oh, definitely. I mean, you always you always love those revenge games, man, because you always you always get up for them. Uh, but yeah, I, I, 
like, like, like I said, I, I can't say enough good things about James Johnson over the past two weeks, this game in particular. Um, I mean, I think he was the Nets. Yeah, he was the Nets second leading scorer at halftime. Uh, didn't really score in the second half, but you didn't really need him to um, yep. because what he was, the intangibles he was giving you um, on both sides of the ball were more than enough. Yeah, and he fights on the boards, too. I think that's another thing out there. When you have him with clacks, you don't feel as bad. And then also you're not forcing KD to be that rebounding four, kind of like we talked about before. I don't mind if he doesn't fight on the boards all the time because I feel like it's dirty business. And especially for someone like KD, I don't want to get an injury there. So let James Johnson and Clax do that dirty work. But moving over to DeAndre Bembry, not his best game of the season either. Four points, two or three from the field, all one from three, one rebound, one steal, one block. I think really the issue for him is Luca just had a little bit too much size for him. Yeah, I mean, he saddled with foul trouble for most of the game. I mean, but you can kind of expect it's it's hard. Luca is yeah. one of the best players in the league. Uh, that assignment is always tough. You know, in the minutes he was in, he gave, you know, he gave all you can ask. It's not like yeah. he was out there just, you know, turning the ball over or doing anything, you know, dumb. It's just, you know, sometimes you get caught up in foul. You did, I think he had two fouls in the first, like within the first six minutes of the first quarter. Uh, which I guess kind of threw off his rhythm, had three fouls at halftime. So, you know, it, it, it's tough. You know, sometimes it's, you know, games like this for Bembry are going to be hard. Um, but, you know, I, I think what he still – I think he still provides the the starting lineup a, a good boost, uh, you know, good energy. You know, so it is not, not much – not too much to say about him. But, you know, for the minutes he wasn't there, he, you know, he did his best. Yeah, he was solid. I mean, I think overall, like, He's not a perfect player. Obviously, there's limitations to his game. And tonight was a matchup that didn't necessarily suit him the best. Probably say a similar thing for Bruce Brown. You know, uh, he finished with two points tonight, one of two from the field, three rebounds, two assists. Bruce just still, to me, hasn't looked right since coming back from the injury. He's just missing something. You know what he's missing? He's missing Joe Harris and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> um, you know, because it's, it's just one of those things where I don't know what Bruce's what Bruce's role really, really is on the team when there's no spacing. Yeah. Um, you know, we all know he's great at, at, at cutting into the paint, uh, getting to that, you know, free throw line extended area and kind of facilitating through there either with his floater or finding the open man. But, you know, when the defense doesn't have to worry about a Joe Harris in the corner or a Kyrie on the wing um, or a Katie on the other wing, you know, they can just pack the paint and we see what happens as a result. Um, you know, and I think that was why there wasn't that great of a market for him during the offseason and why the next way were to bring him back yeah. um, in, 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 the, in the capacity that they did. Because, yeah, it works great when you see the Nets do it right when you can run Bruce Brown at the center because you have Katie Harden, Kyrie and Joe Harris. But you take that away. You know, what do you really have outside of a guy that, all right, he's, you know, good perimeter defender, um, a little bit undersized. Um, we saw that a few times with him matching up against Luca. And on offense, you know, there's, there's really not much of him to do if there's no spacing. So, yeah, with his floater off right now, and it's been off pretty much most of the season, it's really hard to get him involved because, like you said, there's more bodies in the paint. Now, somebody else is kind of competing for him to run the pick and roll with James Harden, or there's another avenue for the offense. For last year, it was a lot of like pick and roll with James Harden, get hit on the short roll, hit the floater, hit the pass, maybe get a layup, whatever it is. Those easy opportunities just aren't there right now. And it's really tough to play two non shooters. You know what I mean? Like, especially in the same lineup at the same time. And just with this roster, Putting him on the floor, different things, it really kind of hurts the offense. 
Yeah, and I think also he he's hurting from James's inability to explode uh, yeah. off the pick and roll because when the defense doesn't have to respect Harden's drive as much, um, they can just sit back a little bit. You know, they don't have to worry about oh James is going to blow by this guy, so we're going to have to send the double at him. Now they'll just kind of sit back because right now James is still trying to find his rhythm, his confidence of, all right, am I going to shoot this or am I going to pass it? So that's yep. I think that's another reason why Bruce is struggling in the uh, half-court offense. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because obviously a lot of his opportunities were created from James. And obviously when James is just playing better, he has more gravity on the floor as well. So um, Bruce, hopefully he'll kind of get back to normal maybe when Joe Harris comes back. But still, I think it's tough to play the combination of James Johnson, Bruce Brown, and DeAndre Bembry big minutes, you know, every single night, just unless you're going up against a matchup, maybe tomorrow against the Rockets where it doesn't matter as much, but a lot of nights, good teams are just going to collapse the floor and put more pressure on Harden, KD and Patty Mills. Yeah. And I mean, I, I will say where he shined, I th- I thought his best, you know, stretch was the last 20 seconds of the ball game when he's in yeah. on defense. I thought him and Claxton combined the, the, the work they did switching off and getting back, showing and recovering on, on Luca and Porzingis right in that little corner area. I thought that was fantastic. Um, didn't give them clean looks at all because you knew you, after that first Luca shot, they get the rebound. You knew that you knew they were going to try and get another one either for yep. Porzingis in the corner or Luca at the same spot because that's literally where he hits daggers from all the time. Uh, so I thought Bruce did a, a very good job of getting into the body of them, not fouling, keeping his, you know, keeping his feet down, hands up. And ultimately is that, that that's what got you to a, a what was it Tim Hardaway Jr.? Yep. Uh, shooting the three, and I would, I'd much rather Tim Hardaway Jr. shoot that three than than Luca. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's one thing you can never say about Bruce is his energy is always there. You know, it's it's always competing. I think it was the previous game he was dominant on the boards. It's just like trying to find a way to have an impact. But I think just some of the limited options on this roster just make it harder for him to be utilized. But uh, funny enough, actually, it made me think of another point. Were you surprised that the Nets didn't foul, especially after they got the offensive rebound, because? They've fouled a lot in the situations where they're up three. You know, at, at, at the time, I was just I was just so <laughs> focused on can we get the win that I wasn't even thinking about strategy. Um, looking back at it now, I am a little bit surprised. Um, but I, you know what I think it is? It might just be because you don't want to give Luca that many chances to crush your soul. Yeah. Um, you know, so even if you do foul, right, you send Luca to the line, he hits two, and let's say you go down and hit two, you're still going to give Luca more opportunities to have the ball in his hands. Um, and the more opportunities Luca has with the ball in his hands, the worse it gets for your defense. Um, you know, can't can't knock the results of tonight. You know, the great. I, I mean, I don't know any how many other possessions we've had this season uh, that were that good. Um, and you know what? Hey, you live and die by it, and that's live tonight. Yeah, I think I would agree with the fact that they didn't foul in the initial like possession where they had the ball with 20 seconds. But then I felt like after they got on the offensive rebound where I was like, I think the clock was at like eight or seven seconds. I was like, oh, man, maybe it'd be... it's tough, though, because you don't really want to foul Luca out on the perimeter because he's the type that'll turn that foul into like a four point play out of nowhere. And then you lose the game. So maybe they didn't feel comfortable, but I think I would probably foul there just because the Nets have had a lot of success with that this season. But moving on from there, going to Nick Claxton, we touched on him a little bit earlier, six points, three or four from the field, nine rebounds, one assist, one turnover. We saw Clax kind of get back to the player he was last season, as we mentioned before. Yep, brought the energy in that third quarter along with Cam Thomas. Um, was big in the fourth. You know, you kind of hope he would make those, you know, make those free throws down yeah. the stretch. But other than that, I mean, but 
you know, that's, that's a lot to ask from, you know, Claxton, you know, late in a ball game like that in his pretty much his first real extended minutes since coming back, um, you know, being reinserted into the rotation. But I mean, yeah, he had a he had a very, very good game. Uh, the energy, I think it more so just the energy. Yeah, the, the, the stats are what they are. Uh, they don't pop out the, you know, pop out the screen. But I think a few of the things that you can't quantify by stats is what he thrived in. Um, the lob in the second half, and then literally seconds later, he's Ding up Luca, getting Luca frustrated. You know, those are the like the, the little small intangibles that you know you don't find in the stat, but but they they, they go a long way. And you could see Luca was frustrated the entire second half, especially yep. in that fourth quarter when Claxton was uh, switched on to him. Yeah, I think what Nick Claxton does is he opens up some different options for this team and some different elements. Like you mentioned, the lob threats, he provides vertical spacing. It's obviously not the same as three-point spacing, but allows Harden to have more room on some of his pick-and-roll situations, creates another avenue of offense, and then defensively, you know, locking up Luka, being able to switch on to pretty much any position, then also just being athletic. Like, the Nets don't have a ton of great athletes on this team. Clax is a great athlete. He can really move on the floor and provide some of that spark. And I'm pretty happy with nine rebounds in 20 minutes for him. Like, that's a pretty good stat for him, especially being active on the board. So I expect him to kind of continue to play into form and even be better as the season progresses because I know I have high hopes for what Class can do, and I think the team really does. And given some of the injuries and the absences, they need him to really pop off this year. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, what you said about him, you know, just, you know, being a roller, being athletic, um, that also helps with the spacing uh, because, you know, right now the Nets really don't – you know, since since before he came back, the Nets didn't have any perimeter shooting, and they didn't have uh, a rim roller. A, a roller, a rim roller. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, I know Reggie Miller mentioned it. Um, in the broadcast off the first lob, uh, from Harden, where it's like, oh, you know, he could be his his Capella, which Harden did say at the beginning of the season. Uh. So, you know, it's he he opens the door both defensively for the Nets, offensively, just giving a lot of versatility for his unique uh, set of skills. Yeah, really excited to see what he does. Hopefully, you know, we even see more of him tomorrow. LaMarcus Aldridge also tonight, 15 points, 7 to 12 from the field, five rebounds, one assist. You know, Aldridge was good offensively in this game. It was just defensively being a little slow-footed kind of stuck out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you really, like, you hate to see it. But, you know, it's just one of those games, you know. It's it's just one of those games sometimes. That's That's just how the matchups are. Uh, for you at the time so you know I don't really take too much stock into it you know you're gonna have nights like this uh, but overall I think for, for what he's done for the Nets it is what it is yeah I think we know who he is we're happy with his contributions and I think when it comes to playoff time it's a completely different discussion but throughout the regular season he'll be able to have minutes be able to be productive and have these moments uh, or more positive moments than he had tonight so Overall, LaMarcus still did enough to help the team win the game, so it's not like he was a really sour grape. And we got even more Cam Thomas tonight. Six points, three of eight from the field, 0 of three from three, five rebounds, and that's the rest of his stats. What do you think of Cam? <laughs> I mean, I, I, liked, I liked the energy he came with. I thought every time he was in the game, whether it was the first quarter or that big, you know, helping the, with the energy in the third quarter, you know, when he's on the floor, he's active. Uh, you know, even if it's not in a scoring capacity, the shots will fall. I mean yep. – I don't think he took a bad attempt tonight. He had, I think, two missed threes that were, like, wide-open attempts. You know, they'll fall. They'll eventually fall. He had a really nice um, – he, he had a really nice uh, floater 
early in the game as well. I don't feel like he's missed a floater. Who? I think I think it also shout out Matt Brooks. He had a a tweet that said Cam shoots better with his feet pointed away from the basket than they are facing forward, which could be true. I mean, he he does make a lot of like contorted shots, um, and unless it's like the more straight on ones where it's like, dang, but. No, I, I, I loved what he brought uh, tonight, you know, even just keeping a possession alive um, in that third quarter. You know, he's you still see him getting lost on defense a little yep. bit, you know, where he's overhelping a bit, leaving a, a shooter a little bit too wide open or opening up a passing lane. Uh, but, you know, he's a rookie. You know, he's getting his first real stretch of extended minutes over the past few weeks. So these are just things that will come with more repetition. Yeah, I think he was solid. I think there was maybe one shot I probably wouldn't have taken out was him, but he did have the other tough look that he knocked down with his feet pointed the wrong way. I was just like, damn, this kid can score. <laughs> I really love the floater. Like, I actually think I'd like to see more of the floater. Like, I think that's another weapon for him, and it's an area that's kind of opened up on the court. Um, Cam just kind of continued to develop. Another thing I'll give him a shout-out for is I think his activity on the boards, especially for a rookie and for a guard, is pretty good. Like, it's not something I anticipated. I thought he would be either below average or just have really no impact, and I'd say he's had a positive impact on the boards. I think the two the, the two areas that he's had this, the most surprise, at least in my mind, is, like you said, on the boards and just on the defensive end, um, just not being a turnstile. I think, yep. you know, you kind of get into that habit of, all right, you know a guy's a scorer in college. It's like, all right, he's a scorer. That's all he is. He doesn't want to defend. You know, he doesn't want to get dirty. He just wants to, you know, put the ball in the basket. But that's not him. You know, he's shown that. You know, a few times tonight, he was battling on the boards, keeping, you know, even just tipping it. Even even if the yep. Mavericks got the offensive rebound, he was still, over, you know, he was still over there fighting. Uh, like I said, he had the big tip um, to keep the possession alive in the third quarter. Um, on defense, his on-ball activity is good. When he closes out, he's not, you know, flying past people. So, you know, the, I, I've been very, very surprised with the activity that Cam provides on the, uh, the, the, the defensive end. Yeah, a lot of positive signs for him early on, especially adapting to being a role player. You know, we talked about a lot of him being a star in college and high school, and now it's like, all right, you're you're a secondary piece and you're playing off of, you know, the star. So his adjustment in that has been really good. I'm excited to see what he does tomorrow against Houston. I think there's a good chance we could see someone arrested, and maybe that means a bigger opportunity for Cam to create a little bit. Oh, absolutely. You know, the second night of a back-to-back, you know, you're not really traveling too far from Dallas Houston. I know it's still yeah. like three hours or something like that. Um, so not not too much travel. I do expect a less workload for, especially uh, KD, less workload for Harden. Um, but this is definitely an opportunity for Cam to, you know, flex his muscle a little bit, you know, hoping, you know, you see maybe 25, you know, 26 minutes, uh, you know, and show what you got. Because, you know, Houston's a young team too. And, you know, they're going to be hungry. So this should be a, a per- the perfect opportunity for Cam. Do you think the Nets end up resting, you know, Kevin Durant tomorrow? I don't think they'd rest James Harden with it return to Houston, but do you think KD is a possibility of getting load management? I mean, that's up to KD, right? I yeah. mean, KD Based said off his comment that he had at the presser, sorry to cut you off, I just saw it was something like, it seemed like he was getting kind of aggravated. He says, I might play 48 minutes tomorrow versus Houston just because it gave you something all to talk about. So uh, He loves he loves basketball. Like, we're all worried about, you know, like, oh my gosh, KD's averaging, you know, 38 39 minutes a game and he's just like can i do more <laughs> like like i, I you do know, i have to go on the bench <laughs> yeah like he's a guy that it really looks like he hates being on the bench 
He wants to be on the floor at every opportunity he can. He just loves the game of basketball, which you got to admire. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you got to protect the player from themselves. And, you know, maybe it's okay if you only play like 15 minutes tonight, you know, just to give you a rest. I'd be if they don't rest them. I hope Harden and Katie only play like 30 tomorrow. That'd be super ideal. Obviously, Houston, not very good, but. The Nets don't typically wake up for games. You know, they love to play one quarter and get the W. Hopefully that's not the case tomorrow. Yeah, it's a uh, it's another it's a good opportunity to get a uh, blowout win, which we have yeah. not really seen a lot of uh, this season. I know Houston is playing very, very good basketball as of late. I think they've won their last, what, six or seven games, um, you know, in a row. Christian Wood has been playing really well for them. Um, you know, it's they, they got they're almost like how the Nets were years ago when it's just like, all right, you know, when you go in there, you're going to have to fight, you know, to win. And that's what they've been doing over the past few weeks. So yeah. Yeah. And you, and you also have to think because the Nets go to Atlanta on Friday, uh, another to that, then, you know, that's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, So you don't want to overwork your players. Like there's no reason why Kevin Durant and James Harden should be playing in the fourth quarter, like past like the 10 minute mark, maybe like at the start of the fourth, you know, get that, push the lead up to like 20, 25, and then sit them. But if they're still playing in crunch time in Houston, you know, not to make a dad joke, but we have a problem. (laughs) There we go. Uh, And like you said, they have won six straight. They're seven and 16 on the season. So without those games, you know, we're talking about one in 16. So really weird stuff from the Rockets. I'm interested how they kind of react to James Harden being there to some of the guys try to, you know, turn it up a little bit. But Justin, any other thoughts on this game or any other thoughts on the Nets you want to get out? You know, I know he only played like a snippet, but Paul Millsap. I know it was, we're we're big we're we're big Paul Millsap supporters here. Yep. But in the four minutes that he played tonight, I was so confused at what I didn't know if he knew that a basketball game was going on, <laughs> um, because he had the one possession where he like passed, he passed out of the paint. It got worked around, and then he passed back out of the paint again instead of taking, like, a layup. And I'm just sitting there like, Paul, like, here I am defending your honor on Twitter, you know, and you're doing this. Show like, me some on, respect. Man, Come on. <laughs> you're embarrassing me in front of yeah, all my it, friends. <laughs> and then I think defensively this game, he was a little bit off, and uh, Porzingis' size was killing him just, like, on a couple of those cuts where he was, like, in okay position, but Porzingis had, like, five inches on him. So there's only so much you can do. Not, you know, the best Paul Millsap game, but only four minutes. I think he should be able to get more minutes tomorrow against that matchup and maybe do some stuff. Yeah, I, I think tomorrow would be a good night to get some extended Paul Millsap run. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not too hip on the roster uh, construction in, in terms of their front court outside of, I think, you know, outside of Christian Wood, and I'm not sure how they really use uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. Um, but, yeah, I, I expect him to, you know, Gets a run tomorrow. I think another. I, I know he didn't really didn't do much on the court tonight, Javon Carter. But I think that's the big problem, right? Is yep. he's not doing much on the court when he's in. It's almost like you forget he's out there. It's like filler minutes. Yeah, it is. It's like it's like an ep- it's, it's like it's like anime where you just have like three episodes <laughs> of filler. You know, give us it's, a fight. <laughs> and you know, it, 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 and that's fine, but. You you gotta you you need somebody that's a secondary ball handler, and I, I know the, you know the, the news are like the Pacers doing a big fire sale, you know got Nets Twitter in a frenzy, um, you know obviously like you have the 
you know, people want Sabonis and Turner. And, you know, it'd be nice if LeVert came back. LeVert would actually solve, I think, a bit of the the ball handling problem and the, you know, secondary shot creator problem. Um, you know, you also have a guy like Justin Holiday as well that could help with that. But I think the Nets desperately need that secondary ball handler with Kyrie's, you know, situation still in flux. You know, when James Harden goes to the bench, you see it's 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 almost a struggle to really get offense. And I know the Nets don't really run offense yeah. outside of isolation and motion, you know, the occasional sets and actions. But, you know, that I think that, that that's what you're that's what you don't have this year that you did last year. Right. You had Kyrie. You had Tyler Johnson. Right. Even Landry Shamit, you know, yeah. could run. He could run point for you a little bit. But I think outside of James Harden, you really don't have anybody that can really run the offense like that. Yeah, you don't really have another creator or penetrator that can do it consistently from like a point guard mindset. Like obviously Katie can do it a little. Cam Thomas, as he develops, will probably be able to do it. But after that, there's not really a ton. And I, I'm not sure the Pacers can help unless, you know, Karis Avert's contract would have to be something in a trade for either Joe Harris or Kyrie Irving. So it would have to be along those lines. And then I think the most realistic target would be Justin Holiday. That would be a guy that I would look for. He gives you a true two-way wing, something the Nets don't have, gives you a little bit of three-point shooting as well. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Or maybe the Nets just get involved as like the third or fourth party in a bigger deal. That's always a possibility as well. So I think we're going to start to see teams realize like, hey, now we're kind of stuck in the middle of nowhere. It's time for us to kind of rebuild and move on. And I think the Pacers picked up on that pretty early in the season. Yeah. So. Um I mean, I do have to ask, like, I know I, this has kind of been like a prevailing theme and we saw it this game as well. But like, is there any solution to solving the like the slow starts? You know, it's not like it, it, it feels weird. And I feel like I know it's easy to just say, oh, you just got to come out with a sense of urgency. But it just seems like you can't keep beating that same drum over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I think some of it's just being a veteran team, some of it being like guys that are in the starting lineup other than Bembry and Patty Mills don't necessarily play with like that enthusiastic energy like LaMarcus Aldridge barely smiles or frowns <laughs> you know it's just kind of like out there and no no disrespect to him obviously there's players like that but they just lack some pop but I don't mind the starting lineup because I think it can give them balance but I'd be open to the idea of maybe switching Aldridge out and then having another big in there but I think having true offensive spacing at least with your starting lineup to an ex extent with four guys at least allows things to kind of go i think a lot of it is just like the players not having the juice to start the game because it, you can see just from the eye test like guys just play harder in the fourth quarter which is always going to be the case but there's just moments and stretches where it's just like it seems like the nets don't really care and i kind of understand in a way is like this team is about winning a championship it's not about beating the mavericks on december 7th yeah, yeah, I know. Like we we don't focus a lot on like the regular season at this, at least now. Like yeah. um, you know, now now that the Nets are contenders, we actually kind of don't really care about the regular season as much as we did like three years ago. Um, but it's like, do these habits like Carry how over. long do the habits go until like can you just flip that switch? I know it's a veteran team. I know it's a it's a roster filled with guys that have played in NBA Finals that have you know Finals rings. Is it that easy to just flip that switch where it's regular season? All right, these quarters don't really matter to the playoffs where it's like, all right, we're locked in from the opening tip. Yeah, I think it's something that has to be done with the roster. I think they need more tools to create probably more balance with some of the lineups they can throw out there. I also think a guy like Joe Harris helps the starting lineup. Just a guy with constant motion and energy, gives you those three-point shots, plays hard. Um, 
I'm not. I don't have the answer. I'm not Steve Nash, so I don't have the answers for this situation. But I will say, I think Sean Marks is going to make more moves for this team, and especially if we get confirmed at some point that Kyrie isn't coming back, or the Nets are just going to be like, you know what, we need to make a move. They just might use that salary in a trade just so they can add another starter, another guy to help fill a need on this team. Because I don't think the roster is perfect right now. Obviously, Harris is out, and Kyrie's one of the best players in the NBA. You know, top 15 guy. His absence is going to be felt, especially when he's in mind when you're constructing the roster. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the the loss of Joe Harris. I mean, we've seen. I think uh, Gotham's reckoning put up a yep. good uh, a good set of uh, advanced stats and showing like the Nets three point percentages. You know, the first like the first twelve games, the next twelve. You know, like the last like three. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it's scary. It's scary hours out there for like the wrong reasons. You know, outside of yeah. Joe Harris, you know, you really only have. Patty Mills to really uh, that you can rely on, and even then we saw like tonight, you know, Patty may not come through, you yep. know, like he did down the stretch. He might have another, you know, two for ten, just shooting game like he had against the Knicks. Um, you know, you're not getting anything from Javon. You can't really rely on Bembry or Bruce from the corners. James Johnson is you get what you get. I think he is like the first. This is the first game I think according to Nets PR that he had two threes I'll uh, take it. in the in the same game. So I mean, we'll take it, but. You know, Harden with his struggles and KD, you know, he's not a three-point shooter like that. You know, you're lucky to get one or two from a night. So, you know, like you said, the roster construction definitely needs a little bit, you know, of improvement. But, hey, when you expect a uh, 50-40-90 guy to be there <laughs> night in and night out, you know, things are different. Yeah, it's definitely tough to replicate that. And I think, obviously, Kyrie just, like, creates something out of nothing a lot. And that can be very effective when you have some of these limited options. But, I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. That's obviously a whole nother discussion for another whole nother podcast episode, but we'll see what happens with that. Overall, I think we'll take the W and the Nets kind of just keep grinding away and hopefully Marks can make a move to just make a small upgrade to the roster. I don't think they need like any type of star or anything like that. There's just some minor things on the edges, some better role players that complement, you know, James Harden and Kevin Durant a little bit more. Yep. I mean, just smooth out the smooth out the rough, you know, parts of the lineup. You know, some of the rough parts of the the roster, but other than that, yeah, there's they're one piece away. I think um, obviously that one piece is Kyrie, but even without Kyrie, um, I think you know the addition of maybe like another three and D guy um, would be big. Just somebody that you know can knock down a corner three, make you pay for it. Um, you know when you cheat off of him. Uh, but other than that, yeah, like I said, take the win. You know they they keep piling up ugly wins, and hey. I, I'd much rather them pile up ugly wins than ugly losses. I'll tell you that. A hundred percent. I think, you know, and it and it does provide some value grinding out games because I think of game three against the Bucks in the playoffs. It was such a grind out game. The Nets didn't really have a lot of those during the regular season. And it's like, I think they're more equipped for maybe a grind out type game with some of the options on this roster and just the experiences. But still, and I've said this a lot on this podcast, is like if the Nets are going to win a championship, it's going to be because they have one of the best offenses in the NBA. It's not because they have the best defense in the NBA. You have James Harden and Kevin Durant. It's not like we're talking about, you know, Draymond Green and Rudy Gobert on this roster. So you have to work with what you have. You need to have your superstars and kind of utilize them the best. But Justin, always a pleasure having you on. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. 
A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.